I don't want a fiddle. I just want to ride on my motorcycle. Hello, everybody. Welcome. This is the Nokomoto Podcast, Season 9, Episode 2. We are coming to you from Moto One Podcast Network Studios Recording Suite B here in Northern Colorado. That's the NOCO. A lot of people don't know, forget, never knew, or just confused by the name. It's okay. Um, Let's see here. What are we going to talk about today, Swigs? We are going to talk about how the president of the Moto One Podcast Network is super envious of my uh, my new nickname that Phil gave me. The uh, what did he say again? It was the patron saint of Ohio. <laughs> Which it's not really a nickname if only one person has ever called you that. But I feel like in the spirit of uh, it's more of a title, really. It really is more of a title. But uh, like. Like Johnny Mac's real proud of being the Honda Whisperer and always insists that he is the Honda Whisperer. But I don't know how many people have ever called him the Honda Whisperer, maybe like three emailers, which is more than I can claim. You know, Phil likes to go on about being the Oracle, which is delightful. But I don't know that, you know, these are names that they primarily call themselves. So if they can do that, I can just take Phil's uh, uh, saint of the patron saint of mid Ohio and just run with it myself. Uh, so that was fun. Let's see. We are going to talk about, we're going to do best worst bike in the world this week. We are going to do some emails and we're going to, I think it's time. It's been so long since we've done it. We're going to play made up motorcycle. All right. So let's not waste any time. We've had some mammoth four hour recordings and we really just need to get like a good like 88 minute episode down and then just call it quits. So let's not waste any time. Let's get into best worst bike in the world this week. This is the segment of the you know what? I forgot to introduce us. How did I how did I do that? All right. With us, we have your host, Swigs. Yep. And I am your other host, MotoGPs. We are going to do Best Worst Bike in the World this week. This is the segment where we have each picked a motorcycle. We don't know what each other have chosen. It's always a surprise. Don't get upset if we decide to talk about a bike in a way that you don't approve of, because it's really just a fun way to look at a bike in a way that you've never looked at it before. Direct all angry emails and comments to contact at nokomotopodcast.com and swigs. You have best bike in the world this week yes and are you ready to reveal it i am okay there, people are just gonna have to ignore the dog noises there all right here we go and the best bike in the world this week is so i have picked this bike just a quick preamble based off an email we received um mark emailed us and asked uh question for you uh the scenario is you have 45 minutes to get out of the city choose one bike uh what bike are you picking and this is both you and with a wife and child and you on your own and Mm. i have selected a bike which is also today's best bike in the world this week and it is and it is Drum roll, please. Oh. 
We already did the drum roll. Okay, go again. The Honda PC-800. Oh, okay. So, I think we've we've talked about some a, a few different things about this bike. Uh, and one, I'll... I want to talk about why this is like an amazing bug out bike. And secondly, why we need more bikes like this right now. So. Because integrated storage is something that people, people have no idea how much they love it till they get it. And then it enables you to use the motorcycle as a primary means of transportation. Mm hmm. That's, yes. I mean, it's the primary, like, I'll, it seems weird. As motorcyclists, we don't think about it that much. But a lot of people don't, they think about riding a motorcycle and they don't even consider the fact that it could be an everyday ride thing. And then immediately they think, well, it can't be an everyday ride because I can't take my stuff with me. And first of all, they don't realize how many trips you make where you don't need to take any stuff with you. But also, just a small amount of space covers more than 90% of what you need on all your trips. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, why this is a great bike, like a great apocalypse bike. It is a low-revving motor making peak horsepower under 7,000 RPM. It's an 800-ish, or like 760-something um, uh, V-twin. It's like a Honda Shadow V-twin motor, it isn't is. it? Yeah. It's a three, it's a three-valve motor, Yeah, liquid-cooled, and it's fairly low compression, low revving, so you can put the worst fuel imaginable in it, and you're not going to get any engine knock. The integrated storage is a huge one. But it's also no faff integrated storage. You've got yeah. two massive panniers kind of that wrap around the back of the bike. It's got its own drain hole in it. It's enough space to fit two full face helmets into, plus a whole bunch of other stuff packed around it. It is really good on the fuel economy for the style of bike and for the age. And there's nothing really high performance on it. Everything's kind of maintainable. Like, Yeah, isn't this like a kind of like 55 horsepower kind of situation? It's like 55 horsepower, like 45 foot-pounds of torque, and kind of does everything for you. Um, and then just the storage options all around the bike are amazing. Additionally, you've got all the wind coverage from the fairing and the windscreen. And it's a bike that will really just do well in both hot and cold conditions, being a liquid-cooled motor. Now, I would say the, the reason this bike needs to come back, or something like this, so something that is kind of taking on... I know how you bring this back. Instead of the NC750X, the P... NC 800 right so give it the DCT and everything but just take an NC 750 punch it out if you need to or just call it the or you, you know, have like the, the PC the P 750X or something right yeah and just just take the NC 
and throw on all this bodywork. So it's got the frunk and the rear trunk on it. Mm -hmm. And then you don't even have to do the add-on for the luggage bags and everything onto an NC. You just buy it with the frunk and the trunk. Yeah. Now you do. I do think you make some additional changes where you uh, you need to make it so you don't have to remove seven body panels to change the battery. But or is it the NC instead of the NC seven fifty X? Is it the NC seven fifty P? Potentially. Um, but I think we need to. I think a lot of companies need to start looking at making something like this, in that. You know, as we've talked about a few times, displacements are kind of going smaller again, but also horsepower is going down. Uh, a big reason for that is that um, high or low displacement, high horsepower bikes aren't going to stick around much longer, and we're generally going with a lot of twins instead of inline fours because high compression ratio. High revving motors produce a lot of nitrogen emissions, and there's no way to get around it. It's just the fact that if you just get air hot enough, you create like nitrogen dioxide, nit uh, nitrous oxide, like there's all these different nitrogen compounds, and apparently those are really bad for people. So they're now getting added to, you know, the the cafe standards and they're getting added to like the euro emissions and all that stuff. And we're still kind of making our way into that post horsepower world. And if you're not going to go based on, you know, a sporty category or a big touring category and you need something affordable, Going back to a motor that isn't all that special, but making the actual utility of the bike the big selling point is something that we're going to see a lot going forward, I think. Especially just going nuts with all of the aftermarket options and all the accessories. And something that came in from like a completely different angle. You know, Famously, this was made by Honda's car division well, people say that is that a true story i believe it is okay. um, or they were at least consulted on it but it i think going this direction will give us some new categories of bike that are a lot more compelling for people to buy that sidestep if, if you if you're just not competing on high performance anymore or on class killers, and you're trying to just make the most utility-focused motorcycle possible, I think that is a big entry point into a market where credit is no longer free, and it's getting harder and harder to make bikes that meet emissions. Yeah. Well, again, on the cost, on the, 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 the two-cylinder thing and everything, I think the power characteristics... The NC750 motor covers it. I think the ease of use and the philosophy of the bike is right in line with the DCT concept. I think there's a much cheaper way to make these plastics now. Because 
I people some people love how weird and like one piece this is and all its plastics, but it's a bitch to get to everything to work on it. Um I I think I think uh making it a little less PC eight hundred in its bodywork, but retaining all the function is the way to go. And I think making it a spin-off of the NC line I mean that's the way to do it. Yeah. I mean, you could also just go nuts and you'll be really fun if you had like an eco-friendly branded version of this. So, you know, so much like Moto Guzzi did the crossover with um, with Gucci for the V7. Oh, the palace. Yeah. Um, if you could find some weird hippie supplier and do like... Um, a hemp hemp bodywork. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, well, there's all sorts of things you can do where you take like fabrics and you um, you basically bake them in like epoxy to create like a hard shell. Um, this is this is fiberglass. Yeah. Yeah, but no, there's there's all sorts of different ones. Um, well, fiberglass, I'm pretty sure, is horrendous for the environment. Um, yeah, but it's also kind of like the the Yugo, um, like the body, all the body work for. Let's that. just go ahead and instead of hemp, make it out of real weed, like in Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke, where they build yeah. the van out of weed and <laughs> drive it in. All right, yeah. The van's not carrying weed. The van is weed. <laughs> <laughs> let's just make the whole thing out of yeah. weed. But it's also kind of like the Yugo was like made of like shredded up like Russian uniforms or something. Um, there's like all sorts of weird stuff. Um, but yeah, I think find a way to make the body work cheap and kind of like make it like look really kind of rugged and durable and like something that you wouldn't feel bad about dropping on the first day. Kind of go with duller colors, give it more of like a rougher surface and just have it be something that just looks like this is for doing shit this is not precious this is not fancy this is not if you expensive. gave an NC750 this trunk system you couldn't stop me from buying one brand new first year i don't care what interest rates are like i'm getting on the reserve list i I think I'd be there with you. Right? I, yeah, we'd have two of them. <laughs> we'd unnecessarily have two. Yeah, and we would just have... declare that we were we finished motorcycles. Because, I mean, I think in this thing, like you don't have... It's not continuous, but I think you have more than half the storage that is on the back of the... Of the... Um... The Goldwing? No, not the Goldwing. No, this this is more storage than the Goldwing does. The With modern... a frunk, yes. No, like the the panniers on the current gen Goldwing aren't as big as you think. They're actually kind of wimpy. Um, oh, the current one. Oh, I thought you were talking about like that. mine. It's well, it's definitely not the storage you have on a fifteen or eighteen hundred. That's just comically large. Uh, oh, on, on like the Aspen Kate era, yeah. No, that's ridiculous. But I'm talking about like the current gen. Um, 
with the integrated storage compartments, and those are small. Those are a little small. Well, it depends which model you get. If you get the big touring one with the top box, they're, I, I, I don't think they're the same side bags. I think that model has larger bags. So this, there's the standard Goldwing, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a bagger with integrated bags. But I do love that they're integrated. That's so nice. Yeah. Um, but I think this. I think the the that storage system has. I want to say like almost half of what you have on the gyro. Yeah. Like by volume, it's a ridiculous weirdly. Amount. If I was buying a new Goldwing, I would get the standard one because what I would do is probably just put a um, like a rear rack on it which then I could just attach whatever giant box I want for touring and not be limited in space. Because mm-hmm. unless you're going to have, like, let's detour for just a second. So we've all seen this trend in Harley Davidson's where people get the the top boxes cut down and made them, like, as flat and thin as possible. What the fuck is up with that? I... If you're not going to have the largest rear box possible, then just have a rear rack, like a sissy bar, because it's a backrest for your passenger, which is highly functional. But also, you can tie more to a sissy bar generally than you could fit in a, uh, a top box. So the idea of having a squished down top box, who is this for? It it no longer really functions very well as a backrest for your passenger. You can't put shit in it because it's like four inches tall or however the fuck tall they are inside. And it aerodynamically, it looks it looks like it would be strange to ride with. What is the point? It It's really just a flat thing to affix lights to, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, the great thing about a rack is that if it's like bolted on on four points to the subframe, you can abuse the shit out of it. You can just like low. I mean, you don't want to check your suspension and your tire pressure first, but you can just like strap like a hundred pounds onto your rear rack, and it's well, kind of fine. There is one other thing here, which is something I need to do to modify my Goldwing. Because my top box is a little, like, not especially large. Um, I intend to fix that problem by putting the barbecue rear rack on top of the top box. So I can pack the top box with a bunch of shit and then strap more shit to the top of the top box. And that will really solve my... Like, how great would it have been if I would had that when we went down to GP last time? Instead of having to strap stuff to the top of the side bags... Yeah. I mean, I think that bike was loaded down enough already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we put a lot away. But it had been nice. Anyway, point is, uh, yeah, we're, we're suckers for integrated storage. This is... But I think it's also, I think more importantly, like, there are so many, like, if you're, if you want a parallel twin or a V-twin of any kind, you are absolutely spoiled for choice, both new and 20 years old, of mm-hmm. like fuel-injected options that'll do everything you could ever want them to. Uh, if you want like inline fours, you've got everything. In terms of bi- new bikes, in terms of bikes that people will buy new, 
considering that more than ever, people are going to have to pay cash. If you can get something like this up, like, in volume... This well, is what's how... a new uh, NC750X running for? Aren't they still, like, eight grand? Um, I think they might even be under eight grand, like 7,800, 7,600. At least they were the last time I checked. Uh, so... The 2024, which is the new one, is nine and a half. Oh, they've shot up. Okay. And the 2020... This is for the X. Yes. Okay. And the 2020 is eight. Oh, they're still selling 2020s? Yeah. Well, 2023, 2023 is the same model. Right, yeah. I think they just have different paint schemes. Uh, well, I'd go for the, the $8,000 one. There's nothing wrong with it. Um... So so with the extra bodywork for the front, we could get this done for like ten thousand. Yeah. That's perfectly reasonable. For a frunk and a trunk, an air like an aerodynamic pa- a package and windshield for bad weather and all that stuff, comfy pa- comfy seat and passenger seat. Um, you know, I I think that's a reasonable thing, you know, because a lot of people are like, oh, well, the NC750 is not really an adventure bike. Well, let's just make a highway dedicated version then. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. We ready for worst bike in the world this week? Let's do it. Okay. And the worst bike in the world this week is, it's cheating a little bit, the Segway SE3. Okay. So, I know it's Segway, but this is closer to a motorcycle than something you've seen before. This is that bullshit granny mobile that you may have seen in airports. I was at the Denver airport recently, and I saw these things everywhere. It is called the Segway SE3 Patroller. Now, they had a couple there that the paramedics were driving around, and they had, you know, like the fucking giant defibrillators and first aid kits and shit on them. And for that, I was like, okay, approved. But the police were riding them around and they are really pushing these things. If you, the, the Segway website has it uh, pretty, um, pretty uh, bare bones as far as the, the marketing and the use case, which is smart on their part. Just imagine this in your world, right? Isn't this the absolute antithesis of the brand image of the of Segway, Segway company? Yeah. And that yeah, it's I'll a trike. That se- yeah, it's a trike. <laughs> um, so not only does it have inline wheels, but... It's completely stable, unpowered, static. Well, but. it's a it's it's a Segway that's just comically large with a front wheel because it's still powered by the rear wheel, but because it's a trike, not leaning, the worst kind of trike, it's um it's prone it's prone for for accidents, but also it doesn't have the balancing thing that Segways are known for, right? Like, I don't know. I, it's th- somehow less sophisticated than your child's hoverboard. So, I don't know. I, I feel like one day I'm going to see a cop speeding through the airport on this, and I'm going to see him. Well, it's, you're it not going to see a cop speeding through the airport on it, because guess what airports are? Busy. And what are they filled with? Lots of people. 
in lines. Like, like, I don't know if you've been to an airport recently, but just about every airport in the fucking world has turned into the Disneyland, like, uh, line for Pirates of the Caribbean and the Matador, right? It's just, it's just endless piles of humanity in zigzag cattle lines waiting to be processed, right? So I just really, really. Where does this fit in? Because it's like three people wide. Right. If you're a cop, wait, is it? A, find a picture of somebody standing on one. It is like this. Ask this is a vehicle which asks the question: What if your handlebars weren't the widest part of your vehicle? Right. Oh, it's stand up too. Yeah. Why? I know. That's just- so they say it's stand up because. It's great for use cases where people have to mount and dismount often. I wasn't aware that the Segway had a mounting and dismounting issue, right? <laughs> I, I I thought that was something the Segway already addressed. But I mean, I, I guess technically it's I guess technically it does kind of make sense if this is going to be used in pedestrian areas. You do want to be standing up because if you're sitting down on a tiny little electric trike, you're actually not going to be able to see shit. Um, uh, yeah, but you're, but like, what if you, okay, if you were, a, if, what about a police vehicle that all a criminal has to do to evade you is walk between two parked cars? Well, you can jump off. Not, okay, not if you've spent the last 24 months riding a stand-up scooter around an airport, you're, you're going to huff it and puff it and be out of breath in about two blocks. I mean, uh, yeah. Now, again, for for, for paramedics and whatever, uh, fine. No issues there. But this thing takes up an entire elevator. It is as wide as two as elevator doors. Yeah, I like saw there's... a cop get in the elevator at the airport, and it took up the entire fucking elevator. Look, you it... cannot negotiate crowds of people at the airport with this thing. Thus... I didn't see any cops actually riding them around. Like, it's not usable. Yeah, this does look like it's at least, like, four feet wide. Maybe more. It is a large, heavy-looking piece of kit. And not only is it large, like I said, it's heavy. And it looks like at any speed, it is going to flip the fuck over. I don't know. I feel like it would be really fun to see a cop take a corner too fast and just eat shit on like airport carpet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and at Denver, there's all that marble flooring. It would just probably That's slide true. out. <laughs> so uh, the problem is the real question is, does it have enough torque to break traction with the rear? Can you drift this thing across? Look across hard, hard, hard surfaces. I don't know, but like, true or false, this has no advantage over, say, something like the the electric gyro. The gyro is probably slimmer. Exactly. Well, I could tell the gyro is slimmer. The gyro is about the width of a largish person. It's... Yeah, the gyro is not much wider than the handlebars. I'm like, pretty in sure reality, the gyro's footwell is as wide as just no lar- larger than the footwell of like a, a Vespa, right? 
Well, yeah, because it's just it's only slightly wider than the handlebars are, and the handlebars aren't particularly large. I mean, it's not much wider. If this isn't three people wide, this is two and a half people wide, right? Right. Like it, and and like this thing has like large handlebars. Like, look at that cop there. Like his arms are extended out, like past his hips, like way, past, like his arms are out, right? So yes, it it is that that sort of thing where like um. You know, if the handlebars can fit through, the whole vehicle can fit through. But the whole vehicle is as wide as the handlebars. And they these handlebars kind of look Harley Davidson wide. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of like, he's like out here. I'll so. bet you can fit your average Harley Street Glide through anything this can fit through. Yeah, in which case it doesn't matter that it's... So why is it being marketed to be like, look at all these pictures. It's all airport employees. Like, yeah, this is not something you should be operating indoors. It's just like, where can it go? Who can it follow? Right. I mean, I guess let's say you're a cop. Slightly smaller. Let's say you're a a cop and 9-11-2 is going down. Right. And you're chasing some terrorizers all over the airport. Right. I, I, all you need is like a woman with a baby who can't shuffle her ass fast enough in front of you. And all of a sudden, like, you know, the Pentagon is getting blown up again. Right. That this is not effective. Any a skateboard would do you better. They should have just gone with those with like the DJI drone with the taser mounted to it. That's a more realistic so so the reason this is the worst bike in the world though isn't isn't just it's like ridiculous look um you know obviously flawed use case it's not that though this is the worst bike in the world this week because it sums up so succinctly a huge problem that we have not just with motorcycles but with the whole way we think about the modern world and technology. And it's the TED Talk effect, right? We were all used to having these mind-blowing TED Talks for about 18 months. And then we had to start settling for second-rate TED Talks, right? Yeah, then TEDx came along. And TEDx (laughs) came along. And now people are basically, like, giving you instructions on how to make tuna casserole at TEDx, right? Like, there's probably going to be, like, a TED... Like a TEDx farmer's market edition pretty soon. Just people giving talks on, like, how to get the most out of your begonias this year. So, that is happening with our, quote game changers and our revolutionary ideas our industry disruptors right yeah we are settling for second and third rates pretty neat ideas right and there's this idea that anything that's an electric vehicle is an innovative solution to a problem whether it actually is or isn't right Somebody at Segway figured out we can just make a new vehicle and police departments and airports and park rangers and city park patrols and traffic enforcement will just buy it, whether or not it's suitable for the job, because someone will say like, hey, 
Like, what are we doing to innovate at our, like, city parks situation? And someone will be like, well, I just ordered a fleet of EVs. And they'll be like, that's good thinking, Ted. Thank you. That's a real way to innovate and bring in something new. Yet we're being green. We're, 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 we've got an electric vehicle. That's the, the, those are, those are game changers, right? That's a, that's yeah. It's the laziest thinking possible instead of coming up with a simpler idea. Let's complicate things with this fleet of vehicles that not a lot of people are clear on how to work on. Can't get parts locally. Um, People need trained because I tell you what, the average person thinks a trike is safe, not knowing how fucking easy they are to flip, right? You've got to get a whole charging infrastructure for these things in place. And on top of that, like, are they like, like how much do they cost for what they deliver? Like, you know, could you have just gotten, gotten some Costco e-bikes instead to get you to the same place? I... I don't know, but it is a second or even third rate, heavy air quotes, innovative solution. I mean, yeah, if you just had an e-bike instead, and maybe you just put some, like, some rubber bumpers on it so you could drop it at a moment's notice and not break the battery mount, and, like, that was it, you'd probably come in way cheaper than these, and it would be just as good. I don't know what does it. Why does it need to be a trike? They're unclear. The Segway <laughs> already did this. The, 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 you stand on it just like you did a regular Segway. There were already Segway cops. I like this is just a Paul Blartification of the Segway, which was already a Blartmobile. I mean, even going even further. In an all-pedestrian area, why do you need more than a push bike? Unclear. Unclear. A push scooter. Just the ability to... Yeah, I don't know. It's a terrible use case. But again, it's just that because somebody was asked, hey, how are we innovating or looking into the future at the airport? And someone's like, I don't know, let's get some electric scooters. And that just probably sounded like they were doing their job. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, there are we're some green places. at the airport. I mean, that's right. I mean, we're burning two million gallons of Jet A per hour, but we're being green at the airport. I don't know. There's nothing green at the I know. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's uh, but um, I mean, I understand like you know, police departments buying like Model Threes as um, as like for traffic cops is kind of a great idea. If you're just there with this with the with the um, with the radar gun, then it's perfect because you're not sitting there with an engine running the whole time, and also your car's stupid fast. So it's an amazing. They do run the engines, though. No, they all yeah. Well, well, on all the cars they do, but on all the ice engines they do. But with an electric car, there's oh, no cost. Right. Okay, and yeah, also yeah, yeah. it's fast as shit. It accelerates yeah. ridiculously fast. So that's a perfect scenario where 
a traffic cop is going to sit all day in one location. He's going to point his radar gun and he's going to do maybe 15 miles in a day to go chase somebody down. Like that's an innovation of, hey, look at all this maintenance we can save by not just having an engine idling for 10,000 hours, like a thousand hours a year. Right. Like, let's just, let's do this. And it's fantastic. But this is just fuck this this is like the electric level of innovation, which mm-hmm. is not innovation. We but attached somehow, a battery to something that didn't need one. Hey, we're innovators. We added another wheel, and now we're geniuses. This is barely more complicated or even of a higher quality than the fucking um uh electric uh um we like rascals and shit for people at Walmart, right? Yeah. The, well, this the, is just one of those, but you stand on it. So it, it does look like it's front wheel driven. No, it's rear. It's rear? Uh-huh. It's just a Segway with a front fucking uh wheel and all this bodywork for a glove box. Uh, okay. Um so and it was like what two months after seg after they were started selling segways to cops they asked for that like rack of bags they could put on the stem of the segway so this doesn't even have more storage than a regular segway I bet it holds more weight but that weight is primarily itself it looks like it's a bit when you see these in person like they are big ass things. Like, the pictures aren't really doing it justice. It does have a little bit of an imposing look, but not if you understand how trikes work, because you're like, oh, yeah, this can't go more than, like, 11 miles an hour if it's turning. So I did say it goes up to 15 miles an hour, but you know what's really funny about that? You could run faster than 15 miles an hour, at least for the distance of an airport terminal. Well, not only that, but at an airport terminal... You can take oh the moving walkway. You can take the moving walkway, yeah, an and hour. beat yeah. it. This won't fit on the walkway, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not even gonna win at the airport. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but again, it, it is a it is a second or third rate quote innovation. Like this is this is what we have to settle for for innovation these days. Uh, people think we're living in the future and oh my gosh, but I what was like the last like big thing that was an innovation, right? I mean Um Well, there is reusable rockets. It's kind of a big one. Um before that Wi Fi. I mean like, like, what, <laughs> yeah, like like Wi Fi and Bluetooth like <laughs> You know, I heard someone say in uh, not a TED talk, but a sort of like um like developer conference thing recently. He was like, this guy was saying, you know, until a couple of years ago, you could expect every year something would happen that was impossible the year before. Like technologies that we picked up that were like almost like lifestyle changing that just came in and out and then were replaced two or three years later by something even better. Like, remember what a big deal DVR was? 
And everyone was mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, how did we live without this? And then we just got Netflix streaming. And it was like, oh, my God. Like, remember, like, those poor people that had DVR, right? Things just moving so fast. But Well, and then also we went from, you know, uh, CRT TVs to plasma to LCD to I'm LED. <laughs> plasma. Uh, yeah. But, like, you know, starting from 1969, we land on the fucking moon and people are like, holy shit. That was impossible a year ago to having to making video calls in the 90s to whatever. I think I talked about this on like, you know, a a couple episodes ago, but this is really emblematic of that. This is now uh, like the segue was a neat idea in like 2003. And here we are 20 years later. And like, this is it. This is the newest segue product. A fucking like trike that looks like it was meant for disabled people. Like I'm pretty sure this already existed. But this isn't an innovation. You Honestly, just took, the you hoverboard a, the hoverboards were bigger innovations than this is. Yeah. I but like they used to have those um those fucking uh, uh like like people used to get around quickly, including the police in airports in electric golf carts right you would see disabled and very very rich people and you get passed by some dude driving like a rich family or disabled people to their gate in an electric golf cart at the airport uh, the only advantage to this is like it can go in an elevator but like you know what people don't use a lot at airports elevators it's not an especially fast and efficient way to move a lot of people not only you'll find escalators at an airport but this can't still can't go up an escalator so like what what's i would have thought that would have been like the most convenient feature of an electric vehicle that's smaller than a golf cart the first thing i would say is can i take this up an escalator yeah, like that would have been a really handy thing at an airport. Sure. Yeah. Or like, can I just like I, roll on and lock the brakes and just go up an, el- an escalator? Like, that'd be a fantastic thing. Not to mention your average golf cart can definitely go faster than 15 miles an hour. Yeah, your average electric golf cart can hit like 22, 24. No problem. So this is a downgrade in many, many ways. I like all you need is a full flight, like waiting around a a, a a baggage carousel, and all of a sudden you're blocked. Like I said, the terrorists got away. Yeah, this is not getting around Terminal Three at Stansted. No, this is not <laughs> it happening. Is not. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm talking about or, American sorry, not airports. Said Heathrow. Heathrow. Well, either. I, yeah. Um, I fucking hate that terminal. Stansted. <laughs> no Heathrow. Oh, I was gonna say Stansted was always preferred for me because it was way closer to the house. Yeah. Um, no, the worst thing about Heathrow is they have the fucking baggage carousel room, where it's this long room. And they've just got... Like, well, that's for the international terminal, yeah. not the right... Yeah. But they've got, like, ten carousels going across the room. And because of that, they take up, like, 75% of the length of the room. And you walk in, and not only 
is it a pain in the ass to get to your bag, but it's a pain in the ass to get to your carousel because yeah. everything is congested down one end of this lengthwise room and you can't walk through it. It's a fucking disaster. Well, be- it's because everything at Heathrow is an international flight, right? So they ha- they recreated the same system in- at Denver, but it's beautiful because almost nothing coming into Denver is a direct international flight, right? So the international terminal is like through the international baggage area is really small. It's just like three carousels and it's like ghost town. There's only ever like one operating at a time. So the fat, ironically, the fastest way to get through Denver is to be flying international, like fly in from Mexico or London or like one of the few places where they take a full on like international flight coming in. And then it's just like, you know, easy breezy, do what well, you like. Yeah, I mean, Denver's fucking great because Denver is the largest airport in the United States, but it's not the busiest because it's basically like a maintenance hub for all the airlines. Yeah. So a million planes can land, but often it's only the ones coming in for maintenance. There, there are some like regular routes, but. There's a lot of like refueling and shit too uh, that happens for planes. Anyway, the the point is is that this second yeah. rate Anyways, idea back to this has a shit. second or third rate use case. And not only that, like it's not a new vehicle; it's just a new ish looking vehicle. It's like it's like if like RoboCop fucked a mobility scooter. I mean, this really isn't all that far off that fucking Piaggio trike, except for the fact that it's not. I would stark. take the Piaggio MP3 over this. No, it's every not. Day. Not the MP3. What was the the weird mobility one they built around a fifty cc two stroke? Oh no, it was a, it was a one two five two stroke. Um, um, yeah, it was called the. Um, oh, it's that's such a weird and wonderful thing. Yeah, well, that's the other thing about this, right? So there's that platform the dude's standing on. It's not wide enough for a wheelchair. You'd think they would just make this so you could put someone in a wheelchair on it, and they could just ride themselves to the fucking uh, gate or whatever, and then just drop it off there, and someone could ride it back or whatever. And that would be a great option. You could take someone who is... um, you know, disabled or whatever, but give them like a faster, better way to get to their terminal by, you know, have a couple of these as like a courtesy vehicle and just let someone with a wheelchair use it. Except the wheelbase is too fucking narrow because it's a regular Segway with a fucking front wheel on it. Why not extend? <laughs> oh, it's so uh, dumb. Well, yeah. I mean, and I don't think the wheels, uh, I don't know, they probably do spin at different rates when it turns, but maybe not. It may be like a fixed diff sort of situation. <laughs> oh, no, it isn't, because that, that that means it would go through that dude's feet there. Anyway, it's dumb. We don't need to keep talking about it. You can look this up on your I mean, own, but more fun it's coming to an drift. airport or a fucking like, city park near you, and... It's it's not good off road. Like I don't think it has any suspension. There was a picture of like a park ranger on one, but like yeah, right. There's I'm wondering if this is tied into kind of the rest of the airport philosophy that's going around right now. Like, yeah, if you get on a flight today, there's another step in going through security where you hand or have your ID. You have your ID scanned at a booth. And there's just a cop sitting there. 
And when your ID is scanned, all it does is it scans the photo on your ID and then takes a picture of you and then determines if the picture matches the person in front of the camera. Right. Which is what a cop would normally do or a security guard would normally do. But now it's just a machine that does it. And they don't even save it or like upload it to a database or anything. And they're very clear about this for privacy reasons. But there's this whole software system in place to do this. But there's also a fucking person right there who can look at your ID. Right. And look at you. (laughs) I feel like philosophically this kind of fits in the same category. And maybe there's just so little supply of people who are willing to do these horrible airport security jobs that maybe this is a big selling point i, I have know. to say um i i'm willing to bet i like you and i could build a robot that has a better kinder and more efficient like personal touch than your average tsa worker <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, like I, we could build in like a sort of like you know, um, like a penis shaped uh, like a recognizer, so it'll be like you know this machine can um, recognize when bachelorette parties to Vegas are coming through, you know, and be <laughs> be like, have a great weekend, gals. Right? <laughs> I would just put um. Oh, what's the vac? What's the fame? What's like the the really f- uh, famous like contractor vacuum cleaner in the UK? Uh, I don't know. Um, it's it's the one that's got like the cartoon face drawn on it. You see it in like schools and buildings all the time. I can't remember. I don't know. I'm gonna have to look this up. This is the Henry. Okay. All right. Hang on, hang on. I'm going to pull this up. This is this is like a pillar of English culture. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, okay. I, I'd For put people one of these that things. don't know, it's like um, it's like a like a Sears Craftsman shop vac, but it's more rounded and it's got a face on it, like a Thomas the Tank Engine style face, and the vacuum tube is the nose. But. This is this is like up there with Postman Pat in terms of like pillars of English right. culture. This is in every school. This is in right, like, but this vacuum has better customer service than TSA. That's true. Right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it brightens more people's day. <laughs> I know. We this is this is the kind of marketing we need. Yeah. in the airports. Right. I mean, do we need to like paint face? Yeah. You know what? If you painted faces on the front of these uh, Segway scooters, it would be more effective. Yeah. Like, that's how little use I think these things are. But hey, you know, if uh, if an airport cop wants to come on the show and tell us how these things have improved their life so much, sure. Great. Let's do this. But I argue that just walking or having a bicycle or a skateboard you think like for one day you're happier on on the segway i'm sure but over your career i think you're healthier and happier and more effective at your job on foot or with a bicycle come at me 
All right, we we got to move on. We got to get through an episode, and I, I like we I got to cut us off before it gets too long. And we're like at fifty minutes, so let's All do right. some emails. Let's do it. Okay, where did my emails go? All right, here we go. All right, so we're gonna do some quick emails. Um, so. Uh, we got an email from Shane who said, uh, listening to you guys trying to figure out hybrid ninjas is like listening to the Wright brothers invent airplanes drunk. Yeah. Well, that know. wasn't inaccurate. <laughs> All right. Next email. Um, oh, we are going through these quick. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next email is from uh, Phil who said, um, uh, and I, I just thought this deserved a nice call out because this is this is the kind of culture we're looking for. Uh, he said explicitly, hey, what's up, guys? I just upped my Patreon level. Can I get an extra rapey poster? I want the most rapey poster I can find. Thanks and love the show. Okay. That's so the energy we need. Here we go. Um, we got three people that upped their Patreon this month giving us like an extra like $18 a month total or something. So we will uh, sign those posters here tonight and then uh, get those mailed out sometime in the next few days. And I mean, this is, you know, a slow but steady success. Do we want to extend this for another month or let's just say till Christmas wigs that any new Patreon or Patreon up amounts get a poster in the mail? Yeah, let's go one more month. Let's go till the end of November. Um, okay, at least for, till November for now. So yeah, yeah, we're this we're recording this on the second. I think I'm going to put out this episode this weekend sometime. So yeah, it'll be almost the entire month. Isn't is November a shorter month? Is this one of the 28 day? Month? I don't know how month days work. <laughs> I never know. Every it's 30. year. Is it 30? 30 I... days, half September, April, June, and November. Wait, what? 30... 30 days, half September, April, June, and November. You've heard, you've. I have, I know, I never learned this. So, <laughs> but like, there, are, but like, what, but that doesn't help. Okay, that's the, the months that have 30 days. Yeah. What, a, what months have 31 days? All the rest except for February. Oh, really? Oh, see, this is to me is like something that's always worked like Java dates, right? Like it just doesn't, it's a mysterious piece that I've never, but it's not just that it's dates of all kinds, right? Like every, every year I have to have this big debate with people. I'm like, wait, when, what is the formula for when Thanksgiving is? I'm like, is it like the third Thursday? It's the fourth of every month. Is it the fourth? Because is the there a guarantee that there are four Thursdays? Or is it just yes. the last Thursday? No, there's always four. There's always four? Well, yeah, because four because four weeks is 28 days. And then if you have... If you're not starting on a Thursday, then the latest it can be is a Friday. So then you've only got five more days. So you'll always have four. Okay, when's Easter? I don't fucking know. See? <laughs> like, when's when's Ash Wednesday and Good Friday? Like, I don't know. Uh, no, those ones I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm not clear on Arbor Day. I, 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 I The 4th of July, I got down. 
right? Yeah. <laughs> like, Christmas. <laughs> Christmas, I don't even know that I that I remember like Christmases. Wait. Wait. Christmas Eve is the 24th and Christmas is the 25th, right? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah. That- <laughs> but I just remember that Christmas Eve is four days before Alakai's birthday. Is how I remember it. I am terrible with like like days, right? Um, yeah, I'm like, not much better. But... This shit just creeps up on me. I'm like, wait, it's what? Uh, um, well, I always also remember that Halloween is the last day of October, but I can never remember like how many days October has. So I don't know what day that. It's terrible. All right. Um, so yeah. Okay. So till. So so November is 30 days. So we've got you know 28 26ish days <laughs> depending on when I drop this episode that you have to up your Patreon or just join the Patreon and you get a signed poster. I also don't I think this was implied but I just want to make sure that people know this up front. It's not a full size poster, it's like a concert size poster. Mm-hmm. There are they're nice quality. Like they're really nice. It's thick paper, it's like glossy and every like but but they're not like fill up your wall posters. Like we didn't buy them. They were given to us by an awesome listener and like at some point we'll stop giving them away because we need to like fill a wall with these things, but we have enough to like fill a wall and still have like 20 more to give away. Mm-hmm. So um, so yeah, if you want one that's extra violent or extra retro or hand drawn or whatever, and like Google an old biker movie because we probably have the poster. Um, we don't have a Night Riders poster anymore because that was the first one we said we gave that to a what's his face. Um, um, you're asking me to remember names, and that's just not going to happen. The 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 Patreon guy that uh, that we already uh, sent to. Um, Oh my gosh. I know. I signed the poster, but I yeah. still don't <laughs> Okay. In any case. Anyway. Um, you know, uh, I'll say this too while we're on the subject of um, listeners doing things. You know what you can do that's almost as cool as, as joining the Patreon? That is for free. You can leave ratings and reviews, you know, guys, on Apple Podcasts, or you can leave them on Spotify, or you can leave them on weird podcasting services that no one's ever heard of or very few people care about we still care about it and it still helps the show because you know what it does it makes the show more visible because when you have engaging listener feedback that does a lot to boost your stats and make the show visible to new people so we get more listeners so we can get more patreon so we can have um a bigger footprint so we can get access to more events so we can give you better content it's a cyclical thing so if you haven't paid your cost of admission for this free show that we make almost every single week and lately the weeks that we haven't made it turns out we've put out a four-hour episode the week before that to make up for it um so let's get those going all right enough blabbing on that next email next one's a bit of a lengthy one and this is from Shanuk. And he says, Hello, guys. My name's Shanuk. I was born and brought up in Mumbai, India, and moved to the U.S. in 2015 to pursue a master's in mechanical engineering. 
Post-graduation, I got a job in the Northeast. I've been working there for the past five years. Motorcycles have always been a part of my upbringing and partially a reason why I got into mechanical engineering. My dad, a mechanical engineer himself, had a two-stroke Yamaha RX100 when I was born and then upgraded to a Bajaj Kawasaki 45 Champion. He later bought a Bajaj Pulsar 150, which was like the first attainable bike that had any kind of sporty credentials. The 45 was passed around in the family and became a hand-me-down when I got my license and I turned 18. It was the best feeling ever. I eventually started riding the Pulsar and then bought a Royal Enfield Classic 350 in around 2013. (sighs) My dad still rides... I would have stayed with the Pulsar. I love the Pulsar. (laughs) It says, my dad still rides that bike and it becomes my mode of transport when I visit home. In 2022, I bought a 2010 Triumph Thruxton simply because of cheap insurance and have put around 8K miles on it. So the Thruxton he owns here in the States? Yes. Okay. And he says, um, I've since learned a lot more about motorcycles. Basically, the different experience based on engine layout through wrenching on my own bike, podcasts, and bike meets. It's been a great way to get to know people better as an outsider. I recently heard a podcast where the Bajaj Platina was the worst bike ever, and I just felt I could provide some clarification based on what I've known. Also, from what I know, India was very closed until 1993 until they opened the markets into foreign investment. I could imagine life being similar to a communist country before that as the country was rebuilding after getting independence in 1947. So he says, number one, mergers. Mergers were definitely a thing when I was a kid in the 90s, probably in the 80s as well. Bajaj, Kawasaki, Hero Honda, Maruti, Suzuki... That's how brands entered the Indian market. It changed at some point and Honda became its own entity. It brought in scooters like the Honda Activa, which have been a stalwart in the last 20-ish years now. Bajaj and innovation. Bajaj has always been an innovator, starting from the Pulsar Marquee. Previous to that, all the domestic market bikes were 100cc commuter bikes. The Pulsar brought in discs to start with, and fuel injection in the subsequent generations. They also kept raising displacements, offering a wide range of choices. They also have been instrumental in bringing KTM to India. I remember when I was around 18 and the Duke 200, a 200cc liquid-cooled bike was fairly attainable, came out, and completely changed the landscape. Before that, all the bikes that were remotely close to what was being sold in in the rest of the world were probably the Ninja 300 and CBR 250s, which probably had to be imported or in knockdown kits, which significantly increased the price point. Uh, three, the Platina model placement. The Platina is a bike that has been around for a good part of two decades now. Prior to that, I remember all the commuter bikes were 100-ish CC bikes that looked like a UJM. The Platina probably brought some kind of desirability in the base motorcycle segment. Now, I do understand that not having disc brakes is silly, but I think Bajaj has other 125cc bikes that offer disc brakes. The Platina is probably positioned below that segment and may also have a variant that has discs. I'm surprised that they are still offering drums, but probably that's what the market demands because they do small displacement bikes with discs 
for a different kind of buyer. Also, repair and maintenance is very cheap in India as you have small shops on every corner, so probably they don't have to wear as much with the drums. Uh, current scenario, I visited India earlier this year and was surprised at the bikes I saw. Yes, they do sell the Z900, ZX10, CBR, 650R, Panigales, and Busas. Only a few kids with rich dads, influencers, YouTubers, and vloggers can afford those. The true market ha- is a very wide spectrum. It's also a higher tax bracket for high displacement bikes, so affordab- affordability probably goes completely out the window. In the mid-2000s, a heist movie called Doom. This is on my watch list. Yeah. I have seen some highlight reels of Doom. My favorite is uh, when they're chasing the train, and there's just some straight-up like things that are physically impossible that happen, like people jumping off a motorcycle and then somehow getting closer to the back of the train even though they've left the thing that's giving them velocity. Uh, there's some amazing <laughs> shit. All right. Um, oh, and there's also nice uh, uh, Doom 2 and Doom 3 and Doom. Like, it's a whole franchise, and we need to dig into it. Have we just got to do a marathon? I mean, <laughs> I think we start with the first one, but as, I re- I mean, we'll as I've read, die. Doom was like an, an insanely popular Indian film. It's their right. torque, as I understand yeah. it. Says he says a heist movie called Doom came out, and the protagonist slash villain rode a Hayabusa. Ever since then, the Hayabusa is truly etched in the psyche as the one superbike, as people had never seen something like it before, and now those kids have grown up to buy a Busa. Sorry for the long email. I would definitely love to collaborate and answer any questions you may have about the Indian bike scene. Or connect with my friends from back home to find out more. Uh, and just close off with one thing that we should probably just address real quick. She says, P.S. While I'm not butthurt, calling India a third world country kind of carries a negative connotation to it. It's something every Indian tries to break out of after having suffered for centuries under the British Raj. I, I think I, that's probably... If I ever called India third world, I didn't mean to. I think there are, like, India is a gigantic fucking place. I think there are maybe some third world parts of India, but I would not characterize the whole subcontinent that way. So, well, there's two ways to address this, which is, um, first of all, what does third world actually mean? Third world doesn't In a a post-Cold War era. technically, technically, third world means anyone throughout the Cold War that was not allied with the west or with russia right was third world um but it's also probably well then it just came to mean non-nuclear power for a little while yeah and now but i think it's it it definitely has morphed to kind of mean like poor country or primitive country and i think we we definitely didn't mean it that way but also it's probably just really just not a useful term anymore yeah probably get away from using it yeah it's not it's not as descriptive as yeah yeah um yeah i mean it it, i mean the soviet union collapsed 30 years ago i'm distinctly aware of how large i mean this is this is like a, a a it's like australia except what if australia was bigger and had multiple languages right 
and and uh and uh spun like even more like like you know what if like australia had different climate zones as well right well it, it's very similar to like with china where it's like how much can you comment on places in china when there are cities of over 10 million people that you've never heard of before like i, I yeah. have indian and nepalese neighbors and they are very quick to jump on me if i like try to like uh, think that they have anything to really do with each other <laughs> right um they're like yeah you know, where uh um here's a question though that uh our listener here well first of all i, I i'm extremely glad that you're uh willing to to discuss the, the bike culture, but let's get you on the show to discuss it because I can't even think of a list that I want to ask you about Indian bike culture. We need to do this in real time. Second, I have a question about the Honda Navi. So uh, Mumbai, where you're from, is on a bit of a peninsula that kind of looks a lot like Wales. And across like the section that would have been from like, you know, like Cardiff to, uh, to, um, to, uh, the West country. There, there's, a, there's like a bit of a gap there. It's kind of like London to Dartmouth in that, like, it looks like there's this, like kind of a separate city on the other side. Right. And it's called Navi Mumbai is now I know Navi means like girl or like, like, girl aunt or something like that in whatever the local language is called but like is the navi named after this sort of sister city of mumbai and honda has done a really shit job of letting us know this or is it a coincidence like is this how the navi is named this is a question nobody in the world but me cares about and I'm aware of that, but I I have to know. I think that's what the Navi is named for, and Honda was just kind of too lazy to give this bike a different name for the American market. Perhaps. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. So I haven't actually responded to this email yet, so we should probably do that after we record this sure and, I, yeah I, and then try and do something but yeah uh i'd love to have you on the show um or we may just come up with a bunch of questions to ask you which we will definitely take advantage of okay all right uh next next email next email uh okay uh that is not supposed to be there one sec all right so this is an email from maurice who says hi this is maurice from switzerland dropping by because some booze related podcast out of cleveland regularly mentions you guys and certain your uh, naked hey cross marketing works yeah and, and uh no uh your naked shenanigans at mid ohio anyway i listened in utter disbelief to the idea of a diesel electric contraption so you want to shove a diesel motor a generator and a battery and an electric motor into the limited real estate of a motorcycle and do 50 to 60 miles per gallon why i know for a fact that a royal enfield 
and a Hotz diesel conversion can do 150 miles per gallon all day. And then there's the German kid who used one to tour through the Middle East and Eastern Africa. He did 100 miles per gallon on a bad day with full traveling gear and a spare tire. And when all the electrics went uh, tits up, he could still start and ride the bike. Now how about this? Fully fared touring bike with a modern about 700cc turbo diesel two-cylinder that would easily be a 100 mile per gallon motorcycle that also rides like a motorcycle without the necessity to carry a fucking factory and its cousin around the whole time. Just an idea. Okay, so uh, a couple things. It won't ride like a motorcycle. It'll ride like a slightly faster fucking tractor, which is fine. That's that's an experience I'm interested in. You're really going to top out at 40-something miles an hour. If you want to know why, just um, take a look at Lake Tahoe, because I don't think it's a natural lake. I think it is all the tiers of the small American startups that have tried to make diesel motorcycles since the turn of the last century. This, uh, we had someone about a year and a half ago emailing us constantly, trying to have him on the show to promote his up and coming like Kickstarter thing about making, um, diesel motorcycles based on harley frames and we didn't even have him on the show because i took a look at what he was proposing and just knew this was going nowhere and i really didn't want to get his hopes up and as much as i could be cool with the idea of a diesel bike it's not what the american public wants um there the the use case of a diesel bike is very limited in scope and for the use cases that it is good for there's one existing model already that competently does it it's what was it called again swigs the t um the t800 cdi that i think that's it the t800 cdi look at that that's Which i think the, is actually from switzerland that is the diesel motorcycle to end them all i don't think it gets quite that much but we never proposed the idea of a diesel motorcycle or a hybrid our, Swiggy, I believe, was trying to say, if you're going to do a hybrid, this is the way to do it. So there are a few things to point out here. So, yes, you can make a diesel motorcycle that gets like 100 miles to the gallon. And maybe a bit more. The problem is that motorcycle is going to be what would have been a 400-pound motorcycle that weighs 500 pounds gets like 10 to 15 less horsepower and it gets that 100 miles per gallon if it cruises at 40 miles an hour it really is not that good yes it'll have like 100 foot pounds of torque but if you look at like the t800 cdi that bike has 40 horsepower out of an 800cc triple. That's... And th- you know, this is like a 600 pound bike. It's not that great. But secondly, the biggest problem with a diesel is that your gear ratios on your transmission are so big that in order for it to work, it just takes up an enormous amount of space, which is also 
why the T-800 CDI went with a CVT transmission. Because they could take that infinitely variable gear, uh, gear me- gearbox mechanism and shrink it down to make it work. But beyond that as well, diesel bikes really have a very narrow range in which they're efficient and have decent power delivery. Which is another reason for the CVT. So you may you may have a bike that when you get up to speed, much like a semi-truck, can kind of cruise at one speed for a long period of time in this optimum power band. Diesel smoke, you're a way of life for me. But... You know, starting and stopping all the time, going through city traffic, the bike will feel like dog shit pulling away from a stop unless it's dog shit cruising on the highway. Like, you have to have one very steady RPM range. And beyond that, they're just kind of loud, and there's all sorts of emission things you have to have on them. Now, you also mentioned... You know, 50 to 60 miles an hour does, 60 to 50 miles per gallon doesn't sound that great. But I was doing a conversion for the output of a generator, you know, how efficiently it turns gas into electricity and puts it into uh, the SRS DX. What was it? Whatever the, the Zero Adventure bike was. Oh, yeah. Now, That doesn't sound amazing, but when you consider that a KTM 1290 Adventure that weighs only slightly more than that bike gets 36 miles per gallon. Oh, yeah. Harley Big Twins get like 27, 28 miles per gallon. Gold Wings get like 24 to 27 highway well they're better now but uh a little i mean they might be up to like 30 but oh but yeah but yeah like a a goldwing an old like a 1500 with a seven or an 1800 with a seven gallon tank gets 200 miles on a tank uh it might be more like 220 but yeah essentially yeah yeah so i'm talking about for equivalent existing uh, gas bikes getting better fuel economy off the generator alone so and a wider spread of power yeah now if you shrank this down to a much smaller bike with a much smaller generator and then you also and and also i was saying that that was what that was highway efficiency 50 60 miles per gallon highway only but you'd get the same in town essentially because the engine's just at a constant rpm giving you electricity well, you get the same elect- you get the same amount of um, kilowatt hours into the battery, but those kilowatt hours would go further. So in the city, you would get like 150 miles per gallon. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because and you, you get- could also add regenerative braking on top of that. Right. Cause, well, with the regenerative braking, because you yeah, because your wind resistance would be lower, you'd get regen braking, all that stuff. Yeah, it'd be it'd be way higher. Um, but that's just kind of how all electric bikes work. Yeah, so we're talking scooter fuel efficiency, but with a higher top speed, and it's a, quote, real bike. Right. 
Now, the other thing is, you know, we were talking, you said, um, uh, oh, where is it? So you said, uh, so you want to shove a diesel motor, a generator, a battery, and an electric motor into limited real estate of a motorcycle. No, no, no. Here's the thing. A battery and an electric motor, like a small, like one-fifth the battery capacity of a normal electric bike. Yeah, the plus battery a generator, the thing only needs to be able to hold like yeah. 10 miles of charge. So a small battery, like one-fifth of a normal, like full electric bike's battery, plus an electric motor, is smaller than even like a six, like a 650cc bike's transmission. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. Yeah, the motor is ridiculously small. Yeah. It, the motor is barely bigger than the starter. Maybe right. twice the size of the starter, but that's not that big to begin with. Yeah, so once you take, once you don't have to have the crank connected to the output shaft and you're pulling all part, all sorts of other parts off the bike because essentially all you need to have is an inline uh, set of planetary gears that go from the crank to a stator we're actually removing a shit ton of parts because it's not a diesel motor and a generator it's the diesel motor as a generator and there's no transmission involved right the transmission's like half the size of a fucking unit construction engine right or at least a third i don't know yeah probably more like a third the so size, but yeah. we're actually removing a shit ton of parts to make that happen. Yeah, I believe it all fits in there. Mm-hmm. Well, not only that, but you also, I mean, just the amount of sheet steel or the, just the amount of casting that's removed to not have the crankshaft and a transmission all enclosed in one big box. Like that alone is going to be straight up like 20 pounds taken off a bike. And we don't need that huge oil bath for the transmission. So we're removing a big amount of casing that would normally just hold engine oil. Yeah, you can have a much smaller um, sump that basically just has to have enough oil to cool the cylinders in the top end. Yeah. So... Ultimately, you're taking all of that original, like, complicated mechanical linkage, and you're just taking a positive and a negative wire from the stator to the battery. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So we're actually removing a ton of parts here. I don't expect this to be any larger. The biggest problem isn't the size it's going to take up. It's just how it's going to look, quote, weird to people versus how they're used to seeing a motorcycle engine look. So again, I think I thought the answer was we'll just cover it all up with with body panels and let's have a fully fared cruiser. Yeah, that's an option. But yeah, I think ultimately this is a bike. When you take everything into account, will actually be simpler. Uh, than... I don't know about simpler, but not any more complicated in its totality. Yeah, well, it'll be a shit ton simpler than a ninja hybrid will this is true all right anyways next email or yeah more next points? email okay um okay we got this is from uh from motohop actually 
Oh. And I'm including it because it has some info. Is this from Matt or both of them? This is from Matt. Okay. He says, I don't know where you guys were reading about the walk mode. This is, I should say, this is titled Ninja 7 Hybrid. He says, I don't know where you guys are reading about the walk mode, but in everything I read about it, they mentioned the walk mode does feature both forward and reverse capabilities. Oh. Good. Yeah, but there's no excuse for it not to, is what I think we were saying. Yeah. Uh, For the rest of the questions, Revzilla just posted an article with way more info than most of us have had available about exactly how the Ninja 7 hybrid works. And he linked it, and he says, uh, long story short, it does have actual gears, um, a computer-controlled hydraulic clutch. So, I mean, I, th- I think that's essentially what we're getting across. Yes, it does have real gears, but... I was too drunk. I don't remember, yeah. like, 95% of what we were banging on about. <laughs> <laughs> I know we disagreed on something, and I can't remember what. And I know a lot of people couldn't make any more sense out of it than we could. I don't know. It all made sense to me. Anyway, um, so, so computer-controlled hydraulic clutch sounds like, yes, it's a computer-controlled shift. So, um, I don't know if it actuates the gears. I'm going to have to read you this. You know, I don't care, because this motorcycle, no one's ever going to buy it. It's debatable whether even they'll make it in limited numbers. This is just, this is like when, um, like, Yamaha was teasing, um... Uh, 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 hydrogen fuel cell bullshit and and all that kind of crap. It's like, this is just something because they know that big electric bikes are not a great model for the future. And it's something else. It'll be a footnote in history. It'll be like, oh, remember they did it? But its biggest value is people can be like, we know Kawasaki's doing this hybrid thing. And Six years after everyone forgets about it, it'll be like, yeah, is it like Kawasaki doing hybrid stuff? You know, you know, I was at a scooter rally you know, at Mile High Mayhem this summer. I was talking to someone about his SX200 and some guy was like, aren't they making like new ones of these? And someone was like, yeah, they stopped making those in like 1996 in Spain. Like they're not making new ones. He was like, oh. You know, he was just like some older guy who was like 50-something. He's like, oh, I guess it, it's been a while. Yeah, And people, just the fact that they've done it, people will think that they're making hybrid bikes for the next 18 years at least. That's its value. This is something to make the brand seem a little, you'll like this, Swigs, greener. And, yeah. uh, and that's really it. That's really it. It's not a serious option for serious people. So I kind of don't give a shit. I'm much more interested in our electric diesel debate because I think it probably no one will accept it because elect, diesel electric doesn't sound very green, even though it totally is. Yeah. As compared to other options. All right. So more features here. He says uh, the ice motor does recharge the batteries. So they at least have like at the bare minimum like stator power excess stator power going into the battery rather than just right. grounding it out and heating up your uh your regulator rectifier um 
and he says EV mode only up to 40 miles an hour, which okay makes sense. In fact, it's yeah, probably it's realistic. It's probably limited because it's going to be no more than 10 horsepower. Uh, it says hybrid mode is electric up to 15 miles an hour, then blends in ice powers of transitions. They mentioned feeling the power from both at the same time as one of the most unique riding sensations I've ever I have experienced yet, which I don't know about you, but to me that doesn't sound like a ringing endorsement. Um, well, this is this is like the hybrid mode that you know Toyotas go with. This, which I it's starting to come back to me now. I think I was arguing that this is how it would make sense: low speed, just electric, then a blend of power, and then at a certain point, just engine power. Uh, yeah. So he also says uh, the whole engine recharging the battery makes sense. Makes me think. The whole engine recharging the battery makes me think about a Chevy Volt slash BMW i3 with electric range extender style motorcycle. Um, I'm surprised that plug-in hybrids with ice range extenders didn't take off for cars, but they might make sense for motorcycles. Sure, the battery would be smaller to include the ice range extender, but you would have all the benefits of an electric motorcycle in town, uh, but you'd retain the ability to do long-distance rides that aren't dependent on charging station locations i believe the ice range extend is coming back i think it is so so uh ev sales this like last summer took a huge plummet wait say again uh sales of just pure electric cars took a huge plummet this summer but hybrid sales were up which mm-hmm. I completely agree with. It's totally the model to go with. No, I think electric cars are fine. Well, Teslas are fine. Everything else is kind In of a gamble. In general, the EV market like dropped something like 30-something percent. It's devastating. If you want to buy an electric car right now, there's no waiting list. They are on lots just collecting dust. What there's not a lot of is like midsize or like the smallest op, like base model pickups are nowhere to be fucking found. No, so the electric car market is a little bit weird because I mean, Teslas have dropped too, but Teslas have not dropped nearly as much as everybody else. I could see that. Nobody gives a shit about the electric vehicles that Ford and GM are putting out. Yeah, no one cares about the huge prestige brands like Lucid either. Yeah, but there's... Or, or Rivian. Or, or, or Polestar. Mm-hmm. But um, basically, if you're buying an electric car and you, you're you not buying one that has Oh, you know access, who else dropped a shit ton of market share? Zero. Yeah. But um, I can see... Uh, I mean, everybody who's not Tesla is fucking tanking in EV sales right now. I mean, Tesla's also taking a little bit of a hit. Um, but not nearly as much as everybody else. Um, but also, yeah, if you're buying an electric car and you want to go cross country and you don't have access to the Tesla supercharger network, like what the fuck are you doing? Like American, American infrastructure, charging infrastructure is dog shit unless you have access to Tesla. That's just how it is right now. But also there's the big factor of, Nobody wants to take an auto loan out at all if they can avoid it. And 
electric cars yeah. front load the car five cost. to six seven thousand dollars more up front right yeah. away yeah so. i mean they're they're cheaper in the long run but that doesn't matter if the interest rate on your auto loan is nine percent yeah it's untenable. Like, you're like fuck off no i can't I, get i can't get started right yeah so i mean that makes perfect sense um but the range extender um i know there's all sorts of companies who are looking at like there's even people who have made like really futuristic like rotary engines well so will... so a great example is um uh claire's dad just got this uh lexus hybrid right and he loves it because he's like he's like i just can't find a way to buy gas because he plugs it in at home but then just he never like leaves town with it so it's constantly even still topping up its own um short range battery because it's a plug-in Right. And he's like, I just drive it around like it's electric. But he goes, you know, they they drove they got like a free ho- uh, night stay at um, the Ritz Carlton in Vail. And they drove the thing up I-70. And he goes, he goes like, I rode it all electric till we got to till we got to like, you know, um, I-25 or something. And I thought when we got to the top of the mountain, I had it in hybrid mode. I'd be like out of electric battery. We'd be on gas. He's like. I had a full battery to drive around Vale, and I'm like, yeah, because you were topping up your battery, because you're, you know, you got power to spare using the the gas engine uphill. And see, now this is where I would love to turn. Like, if I had a hybrid motorcycle, I would want to like absolutely tinker with and hypermile it as much as possible. And that's where I would want something where I could say like. I would want to control like on the handlebars where I could just like manually set like what the what, power split was between the two. Well, and... the power split, but also like when the battery started to get like to what level the battery would get charged back up to so that I could be like, all right, I'm going up over Vale Pass. I want to be at like 10% battery when I start going down so that I can just regen all the way down. Yeah. Like. Like, okay. This is a great place to Here's tinker the thing, Swift. with stuff. Uh, I don't know how many emails we have left. We got one more after this. Should I we just save it for the next time so we at least have one email for the next go and just do because we're at an hour and thirty. Oh, actually, no. This is the this is the last one. Okay. Okay. There's um. So last thing to point out, he said, uh, um, as much as I've been enjoying these four episodes, don't burn yourself out. And then he puts also. Oh yeah, he also said. Uh, they made the uh, that sticker idea. The it's one kick, I swear. Oh so, no! <laughs> so we we got we got to send him our I, yeah. email address or our mailing address. So How about let's stickers. trade a poster for some it's one kick, I swear yeah. stickers. <laughs> I'm good with that. <laughs> Solid. We'll do that. Okay. Okay. And um, we're done. Let's take. Can we just take a quick break? Yeah. All right. Let's put in the little stinger. Oh my gosh. Hold on. Uh. And we're back. You know, I wanted to say something about uh, Matt's email there. As much as he's loving these four-hour episodes, don't burn ourselves out. There's no burning it out. We can. It's like, like Cleveland or whatever. We can just do this forever. I don't know why this is our sick, awful talent 
that we can put out these mildly amusing episodes. I don't know how you guys listen to us like in like the second, third, fourth hours of this shit either. I listen back and like jog through it, trying to like catch edit moments or whatever. And I feel like we do a good first hour of these shows, and then it just veers further and further off track. So to anyone who's finishing these long episodes, hats off to you, because I can't even do it anymore. All right, so now it is time for something we haven't done for a long time. We're going to play Made Up Motorcycle. I don't know why we always spend so much time in between games of Made Up Motorcycle, because this is one of my favorite things that we do. Right? It's pretty good. (laughs) I think this is something that we need to do for the live podcast next time we're at um, uh, AMA Vintage Days. I think with a crowd of people, this could work really well. It could, yeah. That'd I think we should do something where, like, uh, like as a team, like, you and I come up with a bike, and then as a team, like, the Misfits come up with a bike, and then as a team, Cleveland comes up with a bike, and then as a team, the audience comes up with a bike. We can do something with it, yeah. I, I think Phil and Liza can run around with the microphones for the audience and, and get them to come up with a bike. I, I think it's doable. Anyway, so... If you've not heard us do this before, we each have a category of of uh, names, right? And we're gonna chat. We're gonna go back and forth, and one of us challenges the other. You just name the motorcycle, but the other person has to define the motorcycle, right? What's the quintessential one that w- that we did? Uh, like the first time we did this, the one that let us know this could be a game. I can't remember, but there was like one where it was like, mm, that's it. Was it the Tetra? There was the Tetra was a good one. Yeah. Um, there were all sorts. One we did like fish. Um, we did dinosaurs. At one point, I think I picked serial killers. Yeah. Old uh, <laughs> <laughs> NES titles. Yeah. Um, so. I, you know, the listeners, people that don't know how this game works are going to get it pretty quick. So, Swigs, what is your category? Uh, my category is Ancient Rulers. Ancient Rulers. That is a good one. I have unpopular Summer Olympic sports. Okay. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> All right. Uh, who wants to go first? I'll go first. All right, so name a motorcycle for me. Uh, I'm going to start you off strong. The Genghis. Genghis or Genghis, or does it matter? It's the same name. It is. Uh, Just like a one-minute change. No, let's go Genghis. Okay. Because growing up, it was Genghis Khan. And you know how it's spelt in English? Genghis, Genghis, right? Not only that, like... The one that really drives me up the fucking wall. I can't hang out with people who've started saying Neanderthal. We've heard this spiel before. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say it again. Neanderthal. And you know what? I learned something recent that backs this up, right? When something is given like a taxonomical name, 
that's immutable. It cannot be changed. So people that have decided for whatever reason to throw in that H and change the spelling and change the pronunciation are not just technically, like hard, incorrect. Or sorry, take out the H spelling, just make it Neanderthal. So it has an H in it and it is pronounced and that's how it was defined. So it is and always will be Neanderthal. And there's no culturally sensitive reason to change it either. And let's just get something straight here. Look, most English speakers in the world were, look, we are England, America, Australia. We are essentially monolingual nations. Okay? Yeah. Let's just accept it. Stop trying to do native pronunciations to feel more, like, cultured. Just embrace it. Just anglicize everything and just accept. And just like everybody else, and just stop doing it. Yeah, like, what am I going to do? Stop saying coffee just because somewhere in South America people say, like, something different? Like, no, once you do it for one word, it logically extends you have to do it for every fucking word. Look, if you are a big soccer fan in the U.S., and you're talking to somebody about the sport outside of your friend group that weirdly likes soccer, don't fucking call it football, okay? Because nobody fucking knows what you're saying. Be a good communicator. and Not to mention that soccer is an English word that they don't want to admit. They just want to feel fucking special in a, in a world that America dominates a shit ton of culture, Brits only, and here's the thing, pretend to get upset about football being called soccer because they just know they're losing <laughs> in a worldwide culture brace with the United States. All right. All right. Genghis. So, get, uh, the Genghis. Okay. So let's say um, Genghis. What do we know about this? So uh, we've got to go with uh, Mongolia, China. And then expanding outward, right? Um, okay. I've, oh, oh, okay. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So China is trying to break into a bigger world market with bikes, right? Mm-hmm. The Genghis. Right? And so right, the way they've been like – so recently they've been taking all these uh, KTM platforms, making the cheaper versions of them. Which I'm sure was part of their initial deal with making these KTM engines before was like, hey, yeah, we'll build engines for you, but we retain the right to make a cheaper version of these to try to penetrate the U.S. Um, market. Well, they're not making KTMs. They're making – I thought they were making Aprilias. They might be doing both. Because I believe believe Bajaj is making the cheaper KTMs right now. It's it's, um, QJ. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. So – this is the thing. People are like, oh, well, why wouldn't I just buy the CF Moto? It's the same damn thing. It's definitely not the same damn thing. It's made to a lower spec. But mm-hmm. I guarantee you that part of that deal of making motors for KTM and frames and all kinds of shit was, hey, yeah, that's cool. But we retain the rights to make like a cheaper version for the U.S. market. And KTM was probably like, whatever. It's a completely different customer base. We don't give a shit, right? The Genghis is the CF Moto model 
that is going to be the first one to really break through on the mainstream. It's going to be like the like Ducati Scrambler of the QJ or the Ducati Monster or the uh, Triumph Bonneville of QJ, right? So what would that specific platform be? I'm thinking it's a 650 parallel twin. They're making a 650 parallel twin, but they're doing like a sport one and they're doing an adventure one. I'm going to say that the Genghis, because we're talking about ancient history, this is going to be CF Moto's retro sort of Royal Enfield 650 kind of looking bike. This is this is CF Moto's Cafe Racer. Okay. Or or standard UJM slash cafe racer model is the Genghis. Because this is not just gonna conquer Europe. This'll even go further and conquer the West. Nay, the world. Right? <laughs> okay. Interesting. So it may not be called the Genghis in the US, but that's what it will at least be known as or labeled in Europe and Asia. So in my mind, I had a very specific feature for this bike. Oh, that's always fun. I was thinking, I was thinking Genghis Khan, you know, um, I was thinking it's horse, like a bow and arrow. Holder. I was thinking like, <laughs> you know, horseback archery, big thing. Um, I was thinking this would be like a military bike. Okay. And its key feature is that it had like electronic suspension and a gyroscope in it. So that like you could stand up on this and shoot a rifle and the bike would be self-leveling so that it was steady so that you could shoot off of it. Like like, sort of like horse stirrup things on the back of it. And so they stayed level as the bike tilted. No, I was thinking that the suspension on the bike would just make like the body stay perfectly level so that you could shoot off of it. I mean, that's awesome, but I, I, I don't see that working. But okay, yeah. You can make it work. No, there have been cars that have done something similar. Okay, all right. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. Um. All right, I think I did pretty well there. All right, so all right. let's... let's um. So unpopular or weird, unusual Olympic sports. Um, we're going to start with the dressage. The dressage. Okay. Uh, so I think this is going to. I think we need to tell people what dressage is. Some people, Americans don't know. Well, first of all, it's dressage. Isn't that what I said? You said dressage. Okay, dressage. <laughs> dressage. Dressage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the... I only know this from a Colbert bit. Um, so the dressage... So dressage is basically uh, like choreographed horse dancing. Yes. That's <laughs> all it is. It's weird. <laughs> It's ballroom dancing with horses. So um, I go to this a lot, but this is exactly where it belongs. Um, this is essentially going to be. Uh, this is going to be a bike that has some very weird architecture that allows it to be highly and very strangely maneuverable. In low speed situations. 
Much in the same way that a horse will, like, that in dressage you get, like, a horse to, like, prance about and do different kinds of trots. Um, this is going to be a bike that can go in reverse, that can have both, that has two-wheel drive, so it can have the wheels spin in opposite directions and kind of maneuver that way. It might even have rear rear wheel steering to some degree. This is a bike. This is getting expensive. Yeah. So is dressage. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is a bike that's going to do all sorts of really wacky and niche low speed maneuvering things. Like it'll be able to just drift sideways like at like 15 degrees with rear wheel steering. It'll be able to do all sorts of ridiculous things. Um, yeah, it's going to be for a new kind of sport. I think you're really close, but I've got something to add here. Okay. You remember about five years ago, Honda put out that demo where at Ikema, that Japanese girl walked out with a self-balancing, self-riding motorcycle? Yeah. I think this is Honda's first model that fe- that has that feature. The self-parking, self-leveling, like walk mode with the reverse. What I think that's the dressage. Yeah, that that works. And I well. think that's really compatible with a lot of the things you were just saying. Yeah, it may, it may even have some like really fancy body work with like the um, like covered in LED strips that you can program to do like different colors and setups and we can have like like on like like the dressage horses with those little bows on their legs can have little bows on the forks yeah (laughs) (laughs) just little plastic molded bows on the forks yeah why why not not? or bow ties yeah yeah because there's a lot of bow there's a lot of horses wearing bow ties in this dressage nonsense um yeah i think we nailed that one pretty quick I think so. All right, give me another. What what do we got here? All right. Now, do I go for a difficult one or do I go for If I've learned anything about this game, the ones that you think are going to be the hardest are the ones that like people nail the quickest. Okay. Um I'm going to throw at you the Montezuma. <gasps> the Montezuma. Okay. So, this is an off-road bike. This, the Montezuma. Do you need a history lesson here? I know Montezuma. Okay, okay. So, so we're talking, we're talking the Yucatan here. We're talking, we need something that is sort of like a dual sports sort of thing. So the Montezuma. Okay, here we go. The Montezuma, this is what it would be. The Paris-Dakar used to go from Paris to Dakar. And then they left out the Europe part, and it was just sort of like in North Africa, and it was just the Dakar. And now it's just the Dakar, but it rarely even takes place in North Africa. It's just anywhere, right? And it's been in South America. It's been it's been lots of places all over the world. It's now just a like a two-week rally that take or like 10 day or 12 day or whatever it is in just places around the world. I think we're going to have a, uh, at some point that, um, 
we're going to have an outsider, like an outside winner, like Suzuki in the Paris Dakar or the Dakar, but it's going to take place in um, Central America. And the bike's going to win so dominantly that Suzuki is going to put out like a DR650 or DS or, or, or um, um, not DR. Um, uh, uh, what's the V twin? Um, the, 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 the one liter V twin adventure bike, the, Oh, the, 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 why can't I think of it? It's the something, the V strong. Holy yeah, shit. Yeah. There's going to be like a V-Strom 650 or 1000 or something that's going to win the Dakar so hard. They're going to have to come out with like a commemorative uh, model for the public. Like a special like, you know, like $2,000 extra comes with all the bells and whistles trim version called the Montezuma. Okay, that's pretty solid. Otherwise, I mean, if we wanted to go a weirder route, (laughs) (laughs) which we do, I think it would be a ridiculously cheap Suzuki rental scooter for um, strange uh, like like Mexican and and uh, and uh, South American resorts. Right. And because these are places where kidnappings are not infrequent it would be especially fast for a 110. Okay. Is this, is this like the, uh, is this going to be like a, a, like a cheap, like, like Japanese manufacturer, local manufacturer partnership, like yeah. adventure scooter? Sure. But it's going to have like a real big carburetor on it. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right, sounds good. All right, right. you ready for one? Yeah. This is going to be fun. The steeplechase. The steeplechase. Uh, Remind me, what is the steeplechase? The steeplechase, which debuted at the 1900 Summer Olympics, is the longest track and field race involving obstacles. The main obstacle of the 3,000-meter race contains a small body of water in the middle of the track. It's basically hurdles. Uh, You know, like when they have like the horses, like jumping, like the hurdles and the water uh, and the water Mm -hmm. things as well. It's that for people. Oh, right. Where they got the big jump off. Okay. Um I feel like this is for something in between, like, in between, like, cross-country type, like, motorcycle racing and, and, um, oh, fuck, what, what are the small bikes called? The, what's the technical, like, small bikes? Um... That they take on obstacle courses. Why am I blanking on this? Um, oh, the trial bikes. Yeah. This is going to be something... This feels like for something that's like 
something in between like like an oversized Is this like a trials bike but it's also like a 350? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is for a bike that does a trials course and then it ends in a hill climb. Like I think it's just like the biggest baddest like most displacement trials bike. Like it's actually not a great trials bike because you can't get over a lot of really tall obstacles and things. Yeah. But it also just kind of like tears ass around like a flat track as well. Yeah, we're talking like a one ten two stroke in a right. trials. You bike. could flat track it or kind of trials it a bit at the same time. Yeah. And it it's it's skimping on every bit of cooling and everything that it can. Oh, to fit so it's frame. gonna be a, it's gonna be a large displacement like two fifty or three hundred trials bike, but it's gonna have a seat so you can flat track it as well. Yeah, but because the defining feature of a trials bike is it doesn't have a seat. Well, it's gonna have a seat, but the seat is going to be like a spring loaded bicycle seat on like a two foot tall, just on a stanchion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah, a, a, a flat trackable trials bike. And it'll be really simple and really cheap. And it'll like skimp on everything to get the weight down. But one of the core characteristics of this bike is that if you just hold it wide open for like a solid two minutes, the motor will just eat itself. And it's your <laughs> feature. <laughs> well, it's just the reality of the bike is going to be that okay. you've got you've, you've to know what you're doing. Okay. All right. All right. Um cool. All right. What what have you got? What do you got for me? All right. We're going to take this in a little bit of a different direction now. Also, I think we need to do one more each. Just leave this at 3 each cuz we're almost at 2 hours now. Okay. Uh I'm going to pick the most fun one then. Okay. The Caligula. <sighs> the Caligula. Well, the easy answer for the Caligula would be like a like a Harley Dyna um, in like a weird either murdered out black or blackened like, you know, blood sort of thing. And you know how like every once in a while you read about like the uh, the built in like vibrating dildo like for the back seat of like bikes this just comes factory standard with that, right? <laughs> <laughs> and um, let's see what um, I like in order to buy this bike, you have to like prove that you're somewhat inbred. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, uh, the Caligula. Um I'm also just thinking about the the sort of like legendary nature of that movie. Um, what would be the the Caligula? It's too easy, like for what I already said. Although Harley's done lazier for specific models, um, the Caligula. I okay, okay, Caligula is a bike that doesn't exist yet, but someone's going to make it. And someone probably has made this, actually. Caligula is a bike that someone built 
or is going to build just to take to Sturgis. It has pictures of naked women uh, painted all over it. It has the vibrating like dildo on the back seat. And this dude takes it or is going to take it to various biker rallies every year just hoping to get loads of topless women on it. And occasionally he does get a topless woman to ride on it up and down Main Street. But it never really turns out to be a particularly desirable topless woman. (laughs) There's something largely uncomfortable, uncomfortable about the whole thing. But it is, I think it is a Dinah. And I think it's it's been airbrushed with like topless women all over it. I think at this point, the dude thinks that the entire community loves it and appreciates it. And when he gets it to uh, Sturgis, he puts like an inflatable sex doll on it. He's got like a big pair of like rubber like boobs that he puts over the headlight and all that kind of shit. And the bike's known as Caligula but it's really just an uncomfortable eyesore for everybody. That's a good direction. Um, I was thinking that this was a bike that you purchase that you will primarily ride on the back of. So imagine kind of like a Honda Goldwing with like the wraparound, like, armchair like seat on the back Mm -hmm. but this is a bike that's designed entirely for pillion comfort and this is a bike that will be largely purchased in places like monaco okay (laughs) because you're gonna have a driver that will chauffeur you around on your bike and you sort of chariot it's a sort of chariot and you when you come back from the club you get picked up out front by your driver and it's got the enclosed armrest so you can be drunk on the back and not fall out. And it may come And with it's a got ref- a vomit bucket. It can have a vomit bucket. It'll have like a little refrigerator that's accessible from the back so you can keep drinking on your ride back home. Mm-hmm. It's designed for just ultimate decadence. Hedonism bot as a motorcycle. Yes. <laughs> I love hedonism, bot. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, I don't know whose is better. That's good. That's good. Okay, a, a decadence sort of chariot motorcycle. Mm. All right, uh, then I think you've got to give me the last one. No, I just gave you Caligula. You've got to give me the last one. Oh shit! Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, wouldn't have that have been the last? One? Did I? No, you gave me Genghis to start with. So yeah. one, t- yeah, okay, okay, yeah, okay. one more. All right, all right. Um, there's the pentathlon. Is that what we're going with? Well, I mean, I can't do the BMX. Uh, I, I, let's go with pentathlon. The pentathlon. Do you need to know? So. <laughs> Yeah, go. Give, what, what, what's in the pentathlon? Fencing. Show jumping. Pistol shooting. Swimming. And running. So it's like the triathlon, 
but you also have to sword fight and shoot pistols. Okay, this definitely sounds like a Husqvarna. Um, it does, doesn't <laughs> Okay. So. Well, I know what it is, but keep going. Okay. Uh, oh, this is a military bike. This is a bike that is designed to be amphibious. It also is able to go, you know, off-road. It has to come with a forward holster for your rifle. Um, the fencing part, how do we fit that in? That's a tricky one. Um... Hmm. I'm gonna go with this is an amphibious. You're really close, adventure but you're bike. not quite there. Um, so I think uh, modern Buell, new Buell, gets a military contract, right? Okay. It's not amphibious, but the bike does have a snorkel that comes up to like chest height. Okay. So you can operate it like pretty much submerged, but the bike's not going to float. You just you can just ride it like really deep, like up to chest height in water, right? Just have um, like one-way baffles in the exhaust so water can't go back up into the Not even baffles. You just stay on the throttle. You can ride a bike uh, deeper than the exhaust if okay. you just stay on the throttle, as long as your air intake's still above. Yeah, but you've got to get 19-year-olds who just enlisted into the military to not fuck this up. No, you don't. They're ex- they're, they're, it's me. They're extendable. They're expendable. Anyway, but the bike so, isn't. That's true. Yeah. No, okay. okay no, here's, anyway. here's what you have. Here's so, what you have. So, you have, so the you bike, have, no, so the bike will have an underwater mode. It'll have a sensor that, when it gets wet, sets a minimum idle speed so it doesn't. Oh, that's good. That's good. Okay. Okay. Um, The fencing, I mean, it's just got like knives and things in it, right? Like it's just, it's a military bike. So it's got holsters for knives and guns and things like that. Um, And um, uh, yeah, it's just sort of optimized for all conditions. This is Buell going hard at it for a military contract is the pentathlon. Okay. And and as a result, because they would have had to have been competing with Honda and KTM and, you know, Harley Davidson's going to have a go at it with like a 750 version of the uh, Pan America and all that stuff. Buell's really got to pull out all the stops, right? So, you know, like, sure, they're going to have like fuel and frame, but like, you know, they'll have something going on with the fuel and frame or, or like a... Uh, what could they do fun with the fuel of like it's special forces, right? So I don't know, maybe the swing arm can hold like, I don't know, some sort of like jelly explosives that's also an engine <laughs> oil. Um they uh, Well no, if it's if it's American, it'll be diesel. It'll be diesel or it'll be electric. I think diesel's more fun. Diesel is more fun. Um well, no, if it's American, it won't be. No, 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 no. American military equipment isn't like diesel. It's meant to just run on anything. Like the number, like the crazy fuel you can put in most American military vehicles, it's anything from like 93 octane to donkey piss. Like they're all meant to just run on lots of different shit. Like they're all like crazy f- uh, flex fuel. 
That's it. Okay, it is amphibious and all of that, but Buell spouts five different types of fuel that it can run on. Okay, that'll work. So, like, like right, this thing I... will run off of, like, it'll run, like, um, diesel, but it'll also run, like, jet fuel. I know how to get the it'll fencing It'll run, in. like, straight paraffin. Okay, I know how to fit the fencing in. As a feature of this motorcycle, because it, they're also stupidly going to want to have it work for urban warfare, it'll have a claymore mounted to the front of it that can be triggered manually by a button on the handlebars. So if like the bike breaks down or runs out of gas, like it's still just an explosive sitting there. Well, yeah, you can just shoot it. It can't be stolen. It'll just be blown up. <laughs> no, I'm saying like like where the headlight, like under the headlight facing forward, there'll just be a claymore that is a push button on the handlebars to set off. Oh, and I'll have like a really robust windshield. It'll just and fire you sit behind it and just yeah. fire a claymore out the front yeah. of it. That's how, oh. we get, that's how we get the fencing in. <laughs> I, okay, we're not going to do better than that. There that we is go. good. And, yeah, this bike doesn't have a windshield. It has a blast shield in front of it. <laughs> <coughs> Okay, yeah, we're at two hours now as well, which means like we're basically like near the end of our uh, our minutes for our hosting service for this cycle, this billing All right. cycle. All right, all right. What? Uh, any notes we want to put at the end of this episode? Um, anything we forgot to say? I don't think so. I think we're. we're I think good. we covered. It. I think. I think we left it all out on the court yet again, and I, I'm proud of us. At only two, we've cut the runtime in half. this episode all right so with that we'll remind everyone to stay safe stay tuned keep fighting and or fucking the dragon uh are we are we ready to finally end this i think we are and and i don't want to die just want to ride on my motorcycle Cold.